This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The Flames and the Penguins are tied 1-1 early in the second period. Also in the second, Vancouver leading Philadelphia 1-0. No score between the Senators and the Blue Jackets. After the first, the Rangers with a 1-0 edge on the wild early second period. Reinhardt and Kucherov, the goal scorers. Tampa Bay and Buffalo are tied 1-1. Predators and Blues just getting underway. Later on, the Golden Knights play the Stars. The Islanders, who actually lost a game on the weekend, though they still got a point against San Jose. The Islanders are 16-3-2. They'll take on the Ducks. And the late game tonight, the Sharks and the Kings. Hey, folks, would you believe the Edmonton Oilers are first in the Pacific Division? Feathers one, rear shot, Granlund save, made rebound, score! Marcus Granlund ties the game with 6.48 to play in the third. McDavid in over the line, between circles, rear shot, score! And McDavid has given Edmonton the lead in the skills. Miko Koskinen can win it right here. Henestrosa two for four in his career. Likewise, a right-handed shot. Picks it up at center. In over the line. From the hash marks, Henestrosa denied. Miko Koskinen three for three in the shootout. And Edmonton prevails on the road in the desert. Four to three over the Coyotes. That was the call last night here on 6.30. Ched, the Oilers 3-1 and one on their five-game road trip. It'll end on Wednesday when they take on the Colorado Avalanche. 6 o'clock for the face-off show. The game will be at 8. Ryan Nugent Hopkins will not play in that game. He didn't play last night because of a hand injury, and the Oilers said he will also miss... Wednesday's game against the Avalanche at least they said at least two games but hopefully he can return for the weekend home and home against the Vancouver Canucks so the Oilers are up to 16-7 and 3 on the season a lot of positive numbers the special teams coming into tonight power play and penalty kill both second goals four per game not bad above average 12th goals against per game seventh when the Oilers made the playoffs in 16-17, they were eighth in both categories. Um, the Oilers, in terms of points, are tied for second in the NHL with Boston. Boston would have the advantage. They've played fewer games. I looked at points percentage. The Oilers have a 673 points percentage. That's fifth in the NHL. Uh, the Oilers are on pace for 110 points. 
I'm going to say that again. The Oilers are on pace for 110 points. Now, on pace can always change. There's a lot of hockey to come. The Oilers have yet to hit a major bump in the road, but I think they've been able to get through some minor bumps. They were 9-4-1 in October. They're 7-3-2 in November with two games left in the month. So, uh, you know, worst-case scenario, they'll have a 7-5-2 month, which still isn't bad as they roll along. Happy to hear from you tonight. 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. We'll also discuss yesterday's Grey Cup as we move along. Heck, we're going to have to talk to a guy who probably hasn't slept much in the last 24 hours because he's been enjoying his second career Grey Cup victory. Edmonton native. Of Jeff Heck will be on the show. Safety for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, and the Bombers really went through a lot this season. They had the Andrew Harris suspension. I'm going to ask Heck about handling that as a teammate and seeing Harris perform in the Grey Cup yesterday and, you know, lose your quarterback, Matt Nichols. They're playing Strevler. Kalaros is acquired. He plays along with Strevler, but Kalaros was the number one guy. And the Bombers pull it out. First third place team to win the Grey Cup since the 2005 Edmonton Eskimos. That was an Eskimos team that w- was was pretty good. They, they, they kind of struggled on offense at times. They, they still had a pretty good team. They went into Calgary the last week of the regular season, and a win would have been enough to put the Eskimos into first place that year in the West. Instead, the Eskimos were blown out and had to go back to Calgary next week for the West semifinal, and they were in the process of possibly getting blown out in that game. Jason Moss came in, replaced Ricky Ray in the second half, and the Eskimos took the game over and won, went into uh, BC for the West final the very next week. Again, Jason Moss came off the bench and helped the Eskimos secure victory. The uh, Well, I, I don't think it was controversial on the last play of that West final with G. Roy Simon running a deep pattern, and he got a little nudge from Singor Mobley on the way. No big deal. Incomplete pass. And then the classic 2005 Grey Cup, the Eskimos winning in overtime against Anthony Cavill and the Montreal Alouettes. So that was the last time a team went from third to win the Grey Cup. It does not happen often. I'll ask Jeff Hecht about that uh, as well. All right, so Ken Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, a lot of the moves he made in the offseason have been paying off for the club, starting with hiring Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair as well to be on his staff, acquiring Mike Smith, acquiring James Neal, bringing in some depth players like Riley Shane and Josh Archibald to help with the penalty kill. Lately, Marcus Grandlin providing some depth scoring. A lot of, uh, at the very least, a lot of small check marks for Ken Holland's moves and several large check marks along the play along the way. So I, there's there's one question that I've been getting asked a lot over especially over the last couple of weeks. And it's it's a it's a very good question and it's it's one I I struggle answering a little bit because I think we have to recognize there is is a lot of hockey left this season, and like I said, a lot of challenges still to come for the Oilers. And you can't ans- answer a question about the present-day Oilers without, at least for me, without my response being painted, being flavored, with 12 of the last 13 years being out of the playoffs. And, and not just out of the playoffs, but a lot of those teams were quite horrid where by this time of the year, November 25th, you pretty much knew 
uh, the Oilers were going to miss the playoffs. I mean, what, last year's Oilers team missed the playoffs, was sub-500, and I think it was the fourth best season the Oilers have had in the last 13 or something like that. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit of context. So I, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of fans, who obviously you really want the Oilers to be good, I, I get the sense. I, I do think it's changing a little bit. And and, and again, I, I, I sometimes I'm reluctant to make generalizations because I don't want to speak for everybody. But I but I have sensed a fair amount of from fans, from friends and family members who are Oilers fans, that they're still a little bit reluctant to to call the Oilers a good team, to really dive in and say, look, obviously we're not going to miss the playoffs. Where are we going to finish? What has to happen? Who has to stay healthy? Who could they acquire down the road? All that kind of stuff. And I get that hesitation. And I think if the Oilers had been in the playoffs five years in a row, had been to you know a Stanley Cup final in the last five years or three conference finals or had been perennially in the top ten in the overall standings, I don't think there'd be much fear of a drop-off that the team wouldn't get in. But because of the uh, the history, and it's a pretty significant chunk of the Oilers' history, I mean, 13 out of 40 years, uh, you know, 12 of those 13 you haven't got in, uh, I get it. So the Oilers, I was on with Chelsea and Shea this morning, they said, are the Oilers a playoff contender? Well, look, yes, they're a playoff contender. They're, they're very likely going to be in first place in the Pacific Division at American Thanksgiving. And usually you have a 75% chance of making the playoffs if you're in a spot at American Thanksgiving. just and So not only will the Oilers be in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving, they're likely going to be leading the division and have an 8-12 to 12 point lead on, on some teams that would have been picked to finish ahead of them. So obviously they're, they're a playoff contender. At this point, they're a playoff contender. I didn't pick them to get in before the season. I thought they would probably narrowly miss by maybe a couple of wins. Well, look where they are now. And they've done a lot of good things, and they've done a lot of things over an extended period of time. 27th game on Wednesday, that's going to be one-third of the way through the season. So anyway, when I get asked, you know, I don't want to promise anybody or say, well, of course they're going to get in because I know you've been disappointed so often in the past. But here's a very important person asked that question. Ken Holland was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today, and Bob asked him, are the Oilers a good team? You know, as I look back to September... You know, really probably back to, 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 to the end of June, you know, when we left the draft and we sat in a room for nine days preparing for July 1st. And I'm in there with all the pro scouts. I'm in there with Bob Nicholson, with Dave Tippett, with Ken Hitchcock, you know, Keith Gretzky and all our staff as we're trying to, to uh, make the moves to, to try to make the team a little bit deeper and a little bit better. And then you fast forward to today. Every time you can win a big game, you start... You know, and, and you look at the standings, and instead of being on the bottom part, you're on the top part. And then, and then you know teams are ready for you. And certainly this weekend, going into Las Vegas, or this, this road trip, going into San Jose, they'd won six in a row. And we beat them, and I don't think they've lost since. I think they've won twice since. And then you go into, uh, you know, tough game in L.A. How are you going to bounce back from a tough game in L.A.? And we come in, and it, we go into Vegas with all that. I mean, it's, it's an incredible atmosphere there, big game. They're certainly one of the elite teams in the National 
National Hockey League and to go into Vegas and win the game, and then we got to come and here beat and, and beat them, them and beat them. And, and, we, we won the, and then we come in yesterday, and, and obviously um, <coughs> Arizona played yesterday afternoon, but got here last night. We had a tough emotional game in Vegas, but I think by the time we got to bed, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And we found a way yesterday. It wasn't pretty, but we found a way to hang around the game, hang around the game, hang around the game, you know, get a big goal late, and then uh, you went you went in you went in a shootout. So finding ways to win. It's, it can't always be pretty. It can't always be pretty. And I think every time you can find a way to win a game and add, the belief grows. The confidence grows. And that's a big part of, of developing, uh, going into a game and believing that your best game is good enough to win. I think that we're we're in the process of developing that. And I also like, you know, you um, we go to the game last night, no Nugent Hopkins, you know. In goes Gagne, makes a big play on the goal, you know. He's out on the ice in a three-on-three. He's out on the ice in a three-on-three. So, you know, I think about opening night when Larson goes down. And, and, you know, what are we going to do? Well, and all of a sudden Bear steps up. And now Caleb Jones and Benning's played great. And and, uh, so it's about about depth. And it's about about, uh, people stepping in when given the opportunity. And when they when you're healthy, they know their role is to be to be ready to be uh, to support their teammates. So I think that uh, as we're at the 25 game, 20 whatever we are, 25, 26, 27 game poll, um, we've come a long way in my mind since uh, since the start of training camp. Long more, lots more to go. And when you say, are you an elite? You know, the elite teams they go on runs in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, the, the good teams they make the playoffs. So first order of business is to keep our our, our foot on the pedal. We got to find a way to play our way into the playoffs, and then and then you uh, you got to make some noise in the playoffs. But I but I also think we're trying to develop. Uh, you know, a culture. Uh, you know, we're 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 a group, and we we find ways, and everybody's got a role. And I think uh, that's uh, that's a credit to the leadership on the ice, the players. It's a credit to the coaching staff, and 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 all those players in the locker room to accept their roles and to buy into uh, it, it. It's it's for the good of the group. A lot there from Ken Holland, but I want to pick out one kernel central to the question: Are the Oilers a good team? What did he say? Good teams make the playoffs. Elite teams go on runs in playoffs. So Ken Holland, it sounds to me, and he, and he pointed out a lot of good things. Players have roles. Special teams are good. In the interview with Bobby, talked about the goaltending, the coaching. We'll get to some of those comments. The full interviews on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. But he's, I think ultimately he's reserving judgment because, like you said, we got to find our way to play our way into the playoffs. And if the Oilers ultimately get there, then you say, yeah, they're a good team. And then if they do some damage in the playoffs, then you start talking about an elite team. And as you referenced, then maybe you're building something where you go into a season not hoping that you're going to do well and you're going to win big games and back-to-backs on the road over the weekend. You're going to have the confidence that you can do it more often than not. It is 6:20. The code word for our Join the Team contest presented by Japanese Village is SCORE. The code word is SCORE. You go to 630Ched.com, you go to the contest page, you go to the Join the Team promotion, you put the word SCORE in, and you get entered into the draw. This is where you can be in the Oilers team picture. You spend a game day with uh, doing some stuff with me, Bob, and Jack. You get to go on the face-off show. You get to meet some Oilers big wigs. You get great seats to the game. You get to watch the first period in the press box. All that kind of stuff. The code word is SCORE. The winner's announced December 9th. We have another code word tomorrow. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At 620. I'll catch up on your texts. Chris from Phoenix has called in. More from Ken Holland. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, you can text 630, 630. This texter says, Reed, what do you think could set the Oilers back between now and playoff time? Well, obviously injuries, especially to uh, to some of the star players. Uh, you know, if Smith or Koskinen uh, dropped off, if maybe some fatigue or an extended slump set in, that would hurt. Um, you know, again, if the penalty killing really went south, and I, I you know, you got to credit these guys. I said before, a lot of it centers around Shane and Archibald, how good they've been. Um, but you know, I, I don't think the power play is is going to crater. I'm not saying it's going to be second to 31 percent or whatever it is all year, but I, I think that's a safe bet to stay up there. But I, I really think I, I really think injuries, like for any other team, could be the biggest thing for the Oilers. I'm starting to feel confident, and they will have a slump at some point. They've yet to lose three in a row, which is great. But just the way they're playing. They're in pretty much every game. And they, you can go into a third period even if they're behind, like last night, thinking maybe. Maybe they're going to find a way to get a point or two out of this game. My goodness. Chris from Phoenix is gracing us with his presence, I believe, for the second day in a row. Hello, Chris. Hey, this uh, this whole contest to uh, to get to spend the day with you fine, fine gentlemen at uh, 630 Chad, I'm like, I should, I should be the top of the list. I'm going to going to make a, a plan of to uh, if we make the playoffs to uh, to go catch a playoff game at Edmonton. But uh, what what are, what are the uh, what's the criteria for a good team? You have to have good goaltending, which we have. You have to have solid defense, which we have. You have to have a a, a power play and a PK that's probably in the in the in the top half of the uh, if the league, in the league, which we have both. Um, we're getting uh, depth scoring now, so we're we're. We're on the right track. Uh, I don't think we're elite yet, um, but we are definitely trending in the right track. And we'll see what uh, what Holland has in store for for uh, adding another top six wing, uh, top six, six forward, or or if he stands pat or whatever he does. But uh, I'm I'm excited for the ride. Uh, it, it's been a long time coming. I don't think that we should uh, we should dwell on the twelve of the last thirteen seasons or whatnot. I think we should all just enjoy it. I think we've been so accustomed to just the sky is falling that we we've kind of even even that last year that we uh, that we made it to uh, you know ten seconds away from a conference final that whole season was the same way we were we were just expecting expecting the the sky to fall and I'm just enjoying it. I went to the game last night and it was a great game and uh, that's all I had. Let's forward. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, buddy. Chris from Phoenix checking in. Uh, he mentioned a little bit about their, what Holland might do trade-wise. Uh, Holland gave a clip on that today, and somebody on the text line is asking about Jesse Pugliarvi, and Holland touched on that as well. So we'll have answers to both when we get back. 
is Darnell Nurse from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Monday night football underway. Baltimore has won six straight. They're eight and two, taking on the six and four Rams. 520 left in the first quarter. Ravens leading this one 7-0. Raptors meeting the 76ers for the first time since Kawhi's amazing shot in Game 7. Two minutes left in the first half. Toronto leading it 49-47. In the NHL, it's 1-1. Vancouver and Philadelphia, that's in the second period. Also in the second, 2-2 between the Flames and the Penguins. The Rangers lead the Wild 1-0. Tampa Bay up 3-2 on Buffalo. After two, no score between the Senators and the Blue Jackets. And seven minutes left in the first period, already 2-0. The Predators leading the Blues. Benino and Johansson have the goals. Ten goals now for Benino this season. Later on tonight, Vegas at Dallas. Islanders at Ducks. Islanders are 16-3-2, and the Sharks will play the Kings. Oilers day off today. They will practice tomorrow. Game in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche on Wednesday. 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. And the puck will drop at 8. And then the home-and-home home against the Canucks on the weekend. That'll be a good one. Saturday at Rogers Place, Sunday on the road. Oil Kings back at it tomorrow in Kelowna. And then Wednesday in Kamloops. The Oil Kings are 14-5-6 on the season. Their head coach, Brad Lauer, will join us a little bit later on tonight. Jack Michaels putting this out on Twitter this afternoon. This is pretty amazing. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl's four minutes and ten seconds of ice time last night in overtime, eight seconds shy of the NHL record for a forward held by Sebastian Ajo. Leon Dreisaitl played four minutes and ten seconds of overtime. If, if you saw the game, you probably noticed he didn't have a ton of energy left at the end of the overtime. It was a little dicey because Arizona was controlling the puck with some exhausted Oilers players on the ice, but he played 4-10 of overtime. McDavid would have played just a little bit less than that. Same with uh, same with Oscar Kleppbaum. I'd be talking about areas that the Oilers might be vulnerable or, or little areas of concern. Maybe that's one of them, is who's your second shift in overtime for the Oilers? especially when Nugent Hopkins isn't healthy. Now, this is, shouldn't be a long-term injury for the Oilers, so uh, he will be back. But there was a, a whistle a minute 10 into overtime, and Dave Tippett took a timeout so he could just keep McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Clefbaum on the ice. And what I found interesting was that the this other line, the only other three guys who were out in overtime, they just went with one forward, which was Sam Gagne and Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear were out there as, as two defensemen. And I didn't mind that. Nurse can skate. You need speed. And I, I know there are some Oilers forwards who are coming on lately, but Ethan Bear is more of a threat to score than some of the Oilers forward. Well, he has more goals than some of the Oilers forwards. Maybe by the end of the year, it'll be, it'll be changed a little bit. So, and here's the thing. Nugent Hopkins, he's been out there with Neil in overtime. Um, maybe that's going to be the second wave. It'll, it'll be Nugent Hopkins, Nurse, and Bear just because of of the skating and uh, because Bear has, has a decent shot and has some good one-on-one moves. James Neal's a good sniper. He, he's not very fast. Alex Chason has some net presence. That kind of that element kind of goes away in three-on-three. Three. He doesn't skate that well either. Nygaard's fast, hasn't been able to finish. Archibald's fast, hasn't been able to finish, though he had, you know, he's had okay goal totals in the past. Um, they, they put Gagne out there. He had a good game last night. Uh, you know, I don't think we're at the point you'd put Patrick Russell or a, a healthy Jujar character. Maybe Gaetan Haas. I don't know. 
but clearly Nugent Hopkins is the third choice. And then after that, probably a lot of different opinions on who you might have as uh, the fourth forward for three-on-three in overtime. But maybe that's a little bit of weakness for the Oilers, is that they're asking they're asking three guys to play 80% of the overtime. Though it usually doesn't, it often doesn't last that long. 780-496-0063 is how you both call and text. Uh, this texture says, does Pugliarvi currently impact the Oilers' salary cap? He, he, well, he does not. He doesn't have a contract. He's, they have his rights, but uh, he doesn't have a contract. And obviously the, the deadline here to possibly trade him coming up on the weekend. And Holland touches on that in his interview with Stoffer earlier today. He was asked about possibly looking for another center, maybe another top six winger down the road. quiet on the on the trade front for the well I think you're always looking you know right now it's all quiet on the on the trade front for the yeah. you know we, 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 other than the pull Jarvi situation which which is comes up here on December 1st Sunday yeah. and we either got to have them traded by by Sunday or it's probably something that we'll deal with uh, in the at next year and at the draft new to report at that and point. nothing new to report I've talked to a few teams this week but nothing nothing new to report but I think you know if we continue to go if you continue to go you know you start to get uh, you know what, what usually ends up happening Bob is about a month before the trade deadline the phones start the chatter starts a little bit and teams are starting to, to to make calls and you know teams are well well if we fall out what are you looking for and, and you start to engage in those conversations so you know I'm probably uh, December January a couple of months away from that if we can continue certainly it's my job my responsibility to try to see if you can uh, at the right price if you can add another another little piece but certainly i feel good uh, to your point we feel good about the goaltending uh, we've been a one-two punch I, I, you know the way tip has worked them two games two games two games two games they, they keep both are fresh uh, they play a couple of games to get into a groove, then they get a little bit of a, a time to watch, and, and the goaltending has been excellent. You've talked about the depth on defense, and, uh, special, teams and spe- special teams have been great. So, but, but if you can find a player to make you a little bit better at the right price, would I do it? If, if we play our way into that situation, uh, certainly I will look at it, but we're still a couple of months away from, from that. Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of you like trades, and, and if you've listened to me over the years, you know I'm not a big trade rumor fan. Once we get closer to the deadline, we, we talk about a, a little more. A, a lot of suggestions from the fans of, of any team tend to be a little one-sided towards the, the team you're cheering for when it comes to trade suggestions. But, I, I mean, I think Holland has to wait, see where, like he said, see where you are into January, approaching the deadline in, in late February. Could you tweak? I, I don't think the or- – here's, here's the thing with the Oilers. I, I don't think they're at the point where you could just trade off a couple of prospects uh, to bring in a hired gun for the playoffs, and you probably couldn't afford that anyway because they're tight to the cap. And I, and I know with with uh, with Jones having played a few good games and, and Bear looking like you know he's, he's fine, he's a full-time NHLer now, well, do you want to trade Matt Benning or Adam Larson or Chris Russell? I think something like that probably happens in the offseason. I, 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 I still don't think – I mean, look, it, it's exciting. Like I said, they certainly look like a playoff contender. They're well on pace to be into the playoffs – but I don't think that the Oilers are at the stage where you can just kind of say, well, you know, everything's fine. Part with some of the veterans that have helped them get there. Adam Larson, I think, is going to be fine. He didn't play as much. Maybe he wasn't as noticeable as, as he has been in the past, but I thought he was fine in his three games back. Uh, you know, Chris Russell is a, is a good third-pairing defenseman, 
And I think if you do go into a, a stretch drive where you're trying to nail down a playoff spot or, or finish with home ice advantage and get into the first round, I think there's some value to having players in the style of Russell and Larson on the team before saying, okay, kids, now you're not just playing in the NHL, you're being relied on for big minutes in the playoffs. You know, Good for what Baron Jones have done, but I, I still think there's uh, a tactic here where you don't ask them to do too much, and you certainly don't ask them to do too much in potentially a, a, a playoff situation. And you can never have too many defensemen. So, and I know Bob talked about it last night, that probably moves of that nature wouldn't happen until the offseason. They're probably going to have to happen because of the Oilers' cap situation. There's players that are, are likely going to be in line for raises if the Oilers want to retain them in the summer. If you want to look at you know Cassian Nurse, you know Bear being an RFA, guys like that. But I don't think now is the time to say, oh, whoa, look how many good players we have. Let's get rid of some of them. Obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit there and being sarcastic, but I think you know what I mean. Brian on line one. Hey, Brian. Hey, Reed. How you doing tonight? Good. Uh, so uh, you and I have had this discussion about uh, officials before, but, uh, you know, I was, I was watching the Grey Cup uh, this weekend, and it occurred to me that with, with football, it doesn't matter what who the official is. If you're an official on the field, you can call a penalty. Any idea why that's not the same in the NHL with any of the it, it seems like the only officials that call the penalties are the referees. That's that's my first question to you. My second question that I'd like to pose to you is there's the delay a game penalty. Now what? Why wouldn't it be a delay of game once you've crossed your blue line and you still shoot it over the uh, the boards? Uh, okay, well, the first question is, and look, this is without knowing all the technicalities, but in football, each official is assigned a certain area of the field, right? So, you know, like, I don't know if you heard Glenn Johnson was on last week about the too many men penalty in 09, and he said on a field goal as the referee, he's watching for holding and he's watching for roughing the kicker. It's not his responsibility to count the men on the field. So other guys did that. And it's just like, you know, some guys are going to call pass interference, some guys are going to call offside. Yeah, and like uh, he said, on that particular play, you know, like three three flags went up right. in the air. So, but, but he he would never, in that situation, he would probably never throw a flag for that because it's not his job. So... Um, the other question so you're saying if so you're saying if my team has the puck in in my defensive end and i advance it across my blue line and then lob it over the glass you would still like so you'd like to see delay of game what on the defensive side of center yeah i would that'd be interesting yeah because because let's face it it can still happen where a person tries to lob it down trying to get it you know into the other team's end and it still goes over the boards you see it happen or it goes into the player's bench. It happens all the time. I think that, I, and I'm just trying to remember, but when the rule came in, Brian, it's, it's probably been 15 years now we've had this rule. I think what they're worried about is is possibly teams doing it intentionally. If, if you and I have broken the puck out of our defensive end and I pass to you and I'm a horrible passer and I shoot it over the glass... I don't think that I could ever be accused of doing that on purpose. If I'm hemmed in my own end and I get the puck away from a guy and I'm like, well, I'm going to act like I'm passing it to Brian, but I'm going to shoot it 20 feet in the air to get a whistle, that's, I think that's what they're guarding against. So I think that's why it's only in the defensive end. But, there's, but 
who's the, see now there's the, you know discretion uh, whose discretion is that? Because it is that, well, that's, that's a, but that's, that's why a choice they, call. But that's why they made it an absolute that if you're in your own end and you shoot it over the glass, it's a penalty. That's why they took the discretion out. Okay, I'll give you that. Right. And I'll, I'll just show, throw one more thing at you real quick, and then I'll get and then I'll uh, just listen to you on the air. Uh, what do you, what's your view? on there being considered maybe for the uh, Calder because of the amount of time that he's uh, playing and everything. Uh, I think he's becoming a, an important aspect to the Oilers lineup. Well, that's a good question. I, I think he's probably going to get votes. I don't know if he'll be in the top three. I, I mean, look, I think you know who plays for Colorado, right? The McCarr kid. I mean, right now, yeah. he's he would win it. Uh, I Bear... Try, I mean, he might finish top five. Maybe he's a finalist if he keeps playing a lot. And it's harder to play defense uh, as a rookie than forward. But, yeah, I mean, I think you'd at least put him somewhere in the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one. All right. That is Brian, 780-496-0063. That is also how you text us. Well, some challenging officiating questions. I'm going to have to go to officiating school. We will take a quick timeout, 647. Still, remember, still before the end of the show tonight, Jeff Hecht, Edmonton native, Grey Cup champion with the Bombers. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Flames and Penguins tied 2 2 after 2. Dubay and Monaghan for Calgary, Galchenyuk and McCann. For the Penguins, that's Galchenyuk's first of the season. We'll give you the full scoreboard after the 7 o'clock news. Uh, Monday Night Football, by the way, 14-0 for the Ravens. They are a good team. Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate, 14-0 Ravens leading the Rams at the start of the second quarter. 780-496-0063, Mike calling in tonight. Good evening, Mike. How's it going? Good. Uh, what I got to say is uh, it's a really good show, and I listen to it every night. Thank you. Uh I was talking to you before. I said, the Oilers can't win every single game. True. And I'd rather have them lose to a, a bottom, like a bottom team like the Kings, other than lose to uh, the Arizona, two teams that are fighting for first with against us. How what do you come? think about that? How come? What like what? I'm not disagreeing with you, but but expand on that a bit if you can. Well, it's. I feel if they uh, if they lose against the lower teams, okay, well we lost the game, right? Okay, understandable. But if we win against the teams that are in second place and third place, that puts more of a distance between us and them, to, and for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, fair, and maybe it gives you a little more confidence as well. I, I think you know, I, I think I just look big picture, three and one with a game to go on this. I mean, it's already going to be a good road trip. If you get right. a point or two out of Denver, it's going to be uh, a great road trip. The Avalanche won't have all their guys back. Zadorov is playing. I think the forwards are still injured. Um, yeah. Colorado's going to be angry, though. Oh, they have their goalie back, too. Colorado's well, they'll, think yeah, they're going to be really, because they're going to want payback. Yeah, which makes that one a, a good test. Yeah, that, that's an interesting theory about, about who you lose to. I think just big picture you know bank as many points as you can and whether they lost to the kings or not it was great how they recovered on the weekend and i think that's been a characteristic of the team so far is that they haven't had the huge lulls they've always been able to recover thanks mike yep thanks that's mike 780-496-0063 
this texture says, why did the refs not call holding uh, holding McDavid's leg an interference penalty? Is there a bias towards McDavid to not call penalties? Well, I hope not. I, I, I That play was, I understand it was kind of frustrating. I think that was one of those, the you know, two players were, were tangled up. It was behind the play. I think the refs are going to kind of just kind of let it play out and and play on and hope it doesn't it doesn't escalate. I obviously looked. The result was worse for the Oilers because then the guy Fisher went in and scored, but prob probably would have been a bit of a borderline call if they would have called it. In my opinion, Sven, uh, is it Sven? Sorry. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Well, I just want to bring up about. Um the young bear on defense, I think he's outstanding. Yes. And I, he reminds me of a, a Duncan Keith, a younger Duncan Keith. A uh, little undersized, but uh, great with a puck. Great just under pressure in his own zone. I think he's just outstanding. Well, he's, he's, he's added moves to his game since the start of the season. He's had that little drag coming down the right side where he looks like he's going to go along the boards and then pull it into the middle. He had yep. two shots from just off to the side of the slot in the last six minutes yesterday after Granlin tied it. And if you've, yep. I mean, you listen, I mean, we got two ex-athletes on our airwaves all the time, Rob Brown from hockey and Blake Dermott from football. They both talk about confidence all the time. And that's, again, that's the benefit of Bear having played in the minors, learned, having been in tense situations, played in all situations in the minors, and then he busted his butt over the summer. we got to give the kid credit for doing that. And now he gets in the NHL and he's thinking, okay, it's a jump up but but I know I can do it. And that's the encouraging thing for me. He he hasn't plateaued since he's come up. I actually think he's improved over the last oh, yeah. 25 games. Oh, you think he's outstanding. I'm sure glad Adam Larson's back because then he, he will prove his worth that you just watch. Oh, boy. I think so. Yeah, and that's what I said. Let's 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 keep these. I mean, look, if Benning's healthy and you got to send Jones down, disappointing for Jones, but so what? Let him. Oh, yeah. Let him play. You know, pl- play your experienced guys. Let let Bear keep keep uh, doing his thing on the second pair. I mean, I know some nights he plays like more, more like a first pair, but generally he's second pair. Have Russell and Benning as your third pair. Everybody's under control. Everybody's slotted properly for once. We're not having. You know, guys who should be eighth defensemen playing on the second, like you know, like let's just kind of t- take it, take it slow with some of these guys. I think it's fine. It's fine to be in that situation. Totally agree. That's all I got, though. All right, thank you for calling seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Appreciate the feedback tonight. Going to be interesting to see where this team goes, and uh, hopefully they stay uh, at or near the top of the division. We will have, uh, like I said, Grey Cup champion Jeff Hecht on the show in the second hour. Eddie Steele as well, former Eskimo, former Grey Cup champ himself, is going to check in with some thoughts. I didn't even let you know this. You've probably seen it by now. Connor McDavid is the second star of the week in the NHL. Had seven points in four games as the Oilers went 3-1 and one in those games. Frustrated fan. Did Frustrated fan get any of his predictions right? I can't remember. We'll say he did. <laughs> I'll tell you what, nobody picked that score <laughs> in our text messages. Nobody had 33-12 Winnipeg. Jack Jack Michaels actually had Winnipeg winning with 33 points, but he had it at 33-32. Frustrated fan says, so the Bombers win with two quarterbacks. Who would have thunk of that? Oh, wait. I've been saying the Esk should do that for a while, and a CFL team might match the Eskimos five in a row if they do this. They did do it with two quarterbacks. I still think 
the two quarterback system isn't really a, a real thing. You know, have the New England Patriots had a two quarterback system? Who's been their backup quarterback? Who's the Patriots backup quarterback this year? Generally, it doesn't work, but the Bombers found a way to make it work because of Strebler's unique skill set. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.